Jim Bob and Miss Duggar and <clears throat> All right, if you got your Bibles, open up the Mark chapter 5. Can we, are y'all okay if I turn on all the lights in here this morning? Are you okay with that? Can we turn in on all the lights? And is there any way to turn this one light on? <laughs> if not, I'll get through it, I guess. <clears throat> all right, Mark chapter 5. Y'all, I love that song. Uh, I love Christian music because it's like a prayer. And as she was singing that song, that's what I was praying. God, breathe on us. Breathe on us this morning. Dry bones come alive. Dead hearts come alive. And that's what we need. Sometimes I feel like a dry bone. And sometimes I feel like I have a dead heart. And man, I just need the breath of God. I need God to, to breathe on me. And uh, I don't know about y'all. Some Sundays I show up and I'm just, God, I need you to speak to me. I need a word from you. Uh, I'm dry. I'm empty. I'm... Uh, I just need to, to hear from the, from the Lord this morning. And so uh, I hope that you're hungry and thirsty and desperate uh, this morning. Uh, my sermon title is this, Hell Lost Another One. And I got this from a praise and worship song by Maverick City Worship. And uh, it's a worship song. And in the middle of the worship song, they go into a chant. And they say, Hell Lost Another One, I Am Free. I am free. I am free. Oh, hell lost another one. I am free. I had that song in my mind as I was studying this scripture that we're going to look at. And I was like, man, this is it. Hell thought they had this dude. And on all accounts, I think everyone in this room, if we was to walk up on the scene back in the Bible days and we saw this man, we would have said, hell's got this guy. Uh, man, this guy, he is hopeless and helpless. Matter of fact, Mark chapter 5, most Bible scholars describe this chapter as the chapter of incurables. They see the demonized man. They see the lady who has a disease. Uh, if, if it was in today's uh, world, we would have put this lady in Mark chapter 5 in the terminal care unit. Uh, there's also a dead little girl. Uh, if we, again, in today's world, we would have took this, this little girl to the mortuary. We would have been preparing her for the cemetery. Uh, but God, <laughs> but God. And the guy we're going to look at was a demonized man. And this man would have been uh, put into a, uh, a mental health institute. Uh, but God. And we're going to see that uh, today. Uh, this man... Uh, Jesus to this man was the great, great psychiatrist. To this lady, to the de uh, diseased woman, she, he, Jesus was the great physician. And to this little girl, he was the great pediatrician. So let's read Mark chapter 5. Here's the context. Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus told the disciples, let's get into the boat. Let's cross over to the other side. Now here's one thing we got to know about Jesus. When Jesus said... We're going to do something, it's going to happen no matter what, all right? I'm not sure if this storm was from God or could this storm been from the enemy to keep them from going to the other side? Kind of look at it, I can look at it both ways, 
all right? Uh, because I could see the enemy sending this storm to keep Jesus from coming to the other side to keep what's, what is about to happen in this text, all right? Mark chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 20, all right? It's a lot of, lot of verses, but um, y'all just stay with me, okay? Before I start reading, keep this in mind. I want you to, and as we're reading, you're going to see what lostness looks like. You're going to see what sin can do. You're going to see a picture of hell in these verses. You're going to see what Satan's mission is. To steal, kill, and destroy but God, you're going to see the power that Jesus has. Yep. You're going to see Jesus save someone that, I'm just going to be honest, if I saw this man on the street, I would have, I would have kept walking. Uh, see, Jesus sees what we don't see. And that's why, church, we got to pray for the eyes of Jesus. In, in my humanness, in my human eyes, I would have looked right through this man and I would have said, his conscience is probably seared. He's probably too far gone. He's probably already stepped over every deadline you could step over and there's no hope for this man. He's so deep in the sin, there's nothing that can help him. But Jesus has taught me something, church, that if they're still breathing, there's still hope. And this is what else he's taught me. I'm not God. I don't get to decide who's too far gone and who's not. I'm just to, to preach the Great Commission. I'm just, just to share the gospel and tell people how you can be saved and, and to give them hope. And the results will be up to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's hollering over there like a wild baddest? Thank you, Renee. Hey, keep doing it because you get me fired up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to have fun today. <clears throat> they came to the other side of the sea. Jesus just calmed a storm in the sea. Now he's about to calm a storm in a human. To the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Uh, that word unclean can be another word for filthy. This man was filthy. This man was unclean. This man was deep in sin. And y'all, let me tell you something. Before you write this off and say, I've never been demonized. I can't relate to this. This was all of us prior to conversion. This is a picture of everyone prior to coming to Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, we can be demonically led and demonically guided. We can be apart from Christ. You can be possessed by a demon. I believe we can become demon-possessed as we yield to sin. The more we yield to sin, the more we're allowing the enemy to have control over our lives. Read Ephesians 2, chapter... Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And it'll tell you. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. 
No one had the strength to subdue him. All right, y'all look at me. He was like a wild animal. He had unbelievable strength. His strength built because he had so many demons inside of him. Luke chapter 8, this story is also found in Matthew 8 and Luke 8. And they give other details, but in Luke 8 it says this, he ran around wild and naked. Okay? And that's important to, to know because the end story, when we get to the end, it says that he's clothed. And you're wondering, why does it say he's clothed? Well, because in Luke 8 it says he was naked. Alright? And y'all look at me. Modesty comes with godliness. And modesty comes with evil and wickedness. Our culture is full of immodesty. Strip clubs. Nudity is evil. It's wicked. So this man running around this way was full of evil. Full of wickedness. So we would have saw this man... I would have saw this man and said, oh my goodness, what in the world? I would have became angry. But Jesus saw this man, he saw the end, end result. Night and day, listen to this, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Listen to this, he was so miserable, he was trying to commit suicide. He was so miserable, he was cutting himself. He was just, he was so miserable, he was crying out. And y'all, that's a picture of what sin does. That's a picture of eternity in hell. Sin makes us miserable. Sin makes us crazy. Romans 1, it talks about how God, we continue in our sin. God will give us over to a debased mind, a reprobate mind, a wild, foolish mind. And he'll give us over to the desires that we desire. He'll say, okay, they're yours, but you've got to eat the fruit that comes from them. And the fruit is horrible. The fruit, fruit is sour. The fruit is, is not what you would want to eat because he's got better fruit. And when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And basically what he was saying, the reason he asked that question was because he was saying, what do we have in common? What do you have to do with me? I, we have nothing in common. I'm here trying to kill this man. I'm here trying to destroy this man. I'm inside this man. I wanted to, to wreck his life. But you've, you're here to unwreck it. You're here to cure him. You're here to heal him. You're here to, hope, to help him, to give him hope. What do we have in common? Nothing. So this is what, what the point I want to make is children of God shouldn't have anything in common with the ways of this world. We're to be completely different than this world. So, as you read this, do you align with culture or do you align with Christ? Ask yourself this question. Why do you do what you do? Is it because the Bible says so or is it because I want to do it? Is it because, well, I think this is good. I think this is the right way. This is what helps me out. What if the Bible says something totally different? Do you want to align yourself with culture or with Christ? 
Here's a way to look at it. Do you want to align yourself with pigs? Or the person of Christ? With swine? Or the soul healer? In anything we tolerate, y'all, when we tolerate sin, we're rejecting Jesus. You see in this text, they kept chaining him up. Someone was going up there to chain him up. But he kept getting deeper in the sin, so his strength was able to break those shackles. And in Luke chapter 8, it says that when he broke those shackles, he went to the wilderness. Well, God doesn't want us living in the wilderness. Man, we're, we're, we were, we're made to live in the promised land. What's the promised land? Well, the promised land's the victory of Christ. The promised land is walking with Jesus step by step in victory. But in the wilderness, we're away from that. So listen to what this demon requested. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. See, Satan knows the end. The demons know what's coming. The demons know they're going to be thrown in the lake of fire forever. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And when someone comes to Christ, that's what happens. He cleans them up. We don't come trying to clean ourselves. We come as we are. He does the cleaning. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. All right, listen, you're going to see this word begged a lot. So here's the demons begging Jesus, don't send us out of the country. And you got to ask yourself, why was the demons asking Jesus not to send them out of the country? Maybe it was because they had already, man, deceived people. And they were enjoying, they were having a good time destroying people. And they were asking Jesus, hey, don't send us out. These people, they're, you know, they're easy. They're foolish. They're, they're listening to us, not you. We're kind of having a good time here. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw, listen to this, y'all. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there. He was running around wild, scaring people that came up there, naked, screaming, crying, cutting himself. But now he was sitting, sitting there clothed in his right mind. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only Jesus Christ can renew our minds. Only Jesus Christ can clothe us with the robes of righteousness. But listen, it said, and they were afraid. They saw this man. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, is he tricking us? Is he going to come after me? And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And listen to what they did. So this man's life has been totally transformed. 
And listen what they do next. Here's some more begging. And they began to beg Jesus not to save them, not to help them, not to give them hope. Listen to what they did to depart from their region. They begged Jesus to depart from their region. Now, I got a question for you. Who killed those pigs? The enemy. Satan killed those pigs. Demons killed those pigs. Jesus just allowed, Jesus has authority over demons. Jesus just allowed them to enter the pigs. Jesus didn't kill those pigs. Satan did. And they're mad at Jesus for what Satan did. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him. Here's some more begging. But here's the type of begging that Jesus likes. He begged him that he might be with him. This demon-possessed man was begging Jesus, let me go with you, let me follow you, let me get back in the boat with you. They don't want you here, but I do, and I want to go with you because you changed my life, you saved me. But Jesus, for some reason, and here's where his ways are above our ways and we might not understand it, but we can understand it in this text. This is what he says. And he did not permit him. Why? Why didn't he allow him to follow him? Well, this is why. He said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. See, he wanted to send them out as a missionary. And church, that's what God's called us to do. When we've been saved from our sins, he wants us to go home. He wants us to tell our family. He wants us to tell our parents. He wants us to tell our aunts, uncles, our children, our friends, our co-workers, everyone we know what the Lord has done, what, how he has saved us from our sins. He says, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This man deserved the split hell wide open, just like all of us. But God, in his great mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And he went away, listen to this, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, and that's just a, another word for 10 cities. There were 10 cities around there. How much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. See, when Jesus changes your life, people, people will be able to tell. That's why people marveled. They've seen the before and now they're seeing the after. And they couldn't believe the work that Jesus had done. There, there should be a totally a total transformation uh, before Christ, after Christ. Real quick, I want to give y'all lessons from a graveyard session. All right, just real, real quick. Number one, here's something we see in this text. We see a graveyard squatter. All right, what's a squatter? Well, it's someone who occupies a home or a land that they don't own and they don't have permission to be in. All right, this man had left his home. This man did not live at home, Luke chapter 8 says, and he lived in the tombs. What were the tombs? The tombs is where dead people lived, where there was rotten flesh, where there was just, it was nasty, it stunk, it was awful. This, this man wasn't created to live in the tomb. He was alive. He was a, a, a live, breathing person. Though he was dead spiritually, him living there was a picture of what he was spiritually. He was spiritually dead. 
Our sin, that's a picture of our sin, just the rotten flesh, uh, the moral decay, and how he was living among that. I'll never forget, I think I was in high school, but I didn't know what a squatter was. And I was watching WIFF, and I tried to find this new story, and I couldn't find it. But someone had squatted a home, listen to this, on Lake Kiwi. And I'm thinking, hey, if you're going to squat something, go after them houses on Lake Kiwi. And I ain't talking about a little lake shack. I'm talking about when I was in high school, they were talking about this house was worth in the millions. All right? So they squatted a million-dollar home on Lake Kiwi. The owner lived up in New York. And somehow, I think he came home or came back to check on it or something and found these squatters. Now listen, this is what's crazy. He had, like, those people couldn't be arrested for some reason. I don't understand that. And they, he had to go through a process to get them kicked out of that home. And so here's a man, listen to this, y'all. We weren't created to live in sin. We wouldn't create a man. God's got something greater for us. He doesn't want us living in the tombs. We shouldn't be squatting something that's not ours. Uh, we got something. We got a promised land. We got a heaven. We got a home. I love the song. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world. Give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. I would sing it for y'all, but we ain't got enough time. The next thing, number two, is we see a graveyard sitter. Now, what's a graveyard sitter? All right, well, babysitters are people that come in for a brief moment of time, and they continue the routine of mommy and daddy. And they're just sitting there, and they're watching. Now, look at this, verse 3. We see a graveyard sitter. In church, we're not to be graveyard sitters. This is where the, the Lord really convicted me right here. Uh, someone was going up there and it said no one could bind him anymore. Someone was going up there and chaining him. Someone was going up there shackling him. And I think that's a kind of a picture of what our government tries to do with some of the reforms and some of the rehabilitation that our government may offer. But so they may say, well, this ghetto over here just needs cleaner homes and more money. But we know that's not the answer. Because over in about two or three years, it turns back into the slums. Oh, well, over here, we can do this for this person, and this will change them. And we'll just throw more money at them. And it never changes them. Because rehabilitation without regeneration just leads to frustration. What people need, we don't need more money, we don't need a cleaner home, we don't need all this government service. What we need is a new heart from Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will change, bring change, true reform. So here we are, we have this graveyard sitter and all they're going up doing is tolerating the man's sin. Do y'all see that? They're just chaining and they're like, hey, you stay up here and I'll stay down here. You stay away from us and we'll stay away from you. We'll tolerate you, but we're not going to help you. And y'all think about this. Think about everything we tolerate. And everything that we tolerate, we're rejecting something. Look at this. Number three. A graveyard soul. 
This man was miserable. He had no rest, no comfort, no sleep. And this is what a picture of hell is like. And so we have to take a graveyard spiritual x-ray. This is our condition prior to conversion. We're hopeless, we're helpless. Number four, look at the graveyard snowball. It's like a slow fade. It's like a snowball. It started off really small and just kept getting bigger, bigger. They chained him up. Those chains would, those chains worked for a little bit. That that rehabilitation, it worked. That government, whatever, help, it worked for a little bit. But then the real problem came out. See, the, the, the problem was down in the root. It was in the heart. And so when there's a heart problem, there's a sin problem, there's only one solution, and that's Jesus Christ. And we've seen that this past year with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen it with the race cards being thrown out. We've seen it. We've seen it everywhere. And we realize and we know it's not a race problem, it's a sin problem. It's not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. We've seen it. And you can dress it up any way you want to. The, the real problem is sin. And nothing else can fix it except for Jesus. And so we see this snowball. Uh, Psalms 1. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who stands in the path of sinners. Who sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Walking, sitting, standing. It's a snowball. You walk with the ungodly. You listen to ungodliness. You get your counsel from ungodly. Before you know it, you're standing with them. Before you know it, you're marching with them. And before you know it, you're sitting with them. And you're taking a stand with them. And so that's why more demons. It probably started off with a little demon in him, a little evil in him, and then more demons became the overcoming. And before you knew it, he had a legion, which is a legion is a, a name, a terminology for a Roman army with over 6,000 soldiers. And what he was saying was, I have many demons in me. How did he get, how did they get there? Did they just come in, people? No, it, it, we, they come in us when we yield to sin. The more we yield to sin, I told the first service this, it's like a picture of a high schooler, and their first step, their first uh, allowance of a demon in them may be, hey, come to this party with me. So they go to the party. And they get there, and let's say there's some hard stuff at this party. Are, are they going to start off hard? Probably not. Probably not. And so they're like, hey, try this. No, 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 I ain't going to do that. Well, here's a cigarette. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll start with a cigarette. All right, here, here, take this. No, 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 no. Well, here's a beer. Okay, we'll start with a beer. All right, and there's where it always starts. It starts small, subtle, and then it's, it's a slow fade. And you begin to fade, fade, fade. It gets stronger, stronger, stronger. That beer turns into liquor. That liquor on the weekend turns into every night. That every night turns, I got to have it every evening because I got the shakes. And then uh, it just overcomes you and no longer marijuana works. So I got to try a little meth. And then meth don't work. So I got to shoot up. And then I got to go to rehab. And rehab don't work because 
It may work for a little bit, but what we need is a new heart. And this man, because of the snowball and because of the unclean, the filth, he lost his home, he lost his family, he lost his children, he lost his clothes. He had no self-control. He was running around like a wild animal, screaming and cutting himself. He lost his peace, his purpose. And he would have remained in this state unless Jesus, if Jesus would not have come, there would have been no hope for him. And that leads me to number five, the graveyard spirit. That's the demon, the legion, the 6,000 Roman soldiers. Number six, the graveyard savior. Y'all look at verse 13. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out. See, our savior has power over evil. Our savior has power over sin. Our savior has authority over everything. And they entered the pigs and those pigs went off the stink bank. And that's a picture. That's what Satan was trying to do to this man. He was trying to kill him, destroy him because he had the image of God on him. And every one of us, we might not be a child of God. Y'all realize that everybody is a creation of God. Everybody has the image of God, but not everybody is a child of God. You become a child of God according to John 1, 12 to those who believe that he gave the right to become children of God. So in this room right now, we probably, everyone in here has the image of God stamped upon them. Everyone in here, God created. But maybe not everyone in here is a child of God. And if you're, a child of, of, if you're not a child of God, the Bible says you're a child of the devil. You're of your father who is a liar, a deceiver. And that's what he's doing right now. But John 3, 1 John 3, we're reminded that God came to destroy the works of the devil. All right, number seven. We see the graveyard. Sue-wee! <laughs> All right. So they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. He gave them the permission. They went, entered the pigs. Bam. They went over the cliff. Now, I think in our human inclination, in our human mind, we read that. And how many, y'all feel sorry for the pigs? Anybody? Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Some people may feel sorry for the pigs and be like, oh, those poor pigs, they died. All right. I just want to remind you of a few things. Those pigs were not pets. Those pigs were being raised to die, all right, to be eaten. Uh, They were being raised to be carried off to the slaughter. They just went to the slaughter a little earlier and in a different mean, all right? Number two, Jesus didn't kill those. Satan did, all right? Uh, Number three, if you feel sorry for the pigs, remember this, people are more important than pigs, okay? Okay. Now, what do these pigs represent? Why did the townspeople get mad? Well, it represented what they were holding close to. It represented idolatry. It represented their money, their pocketbook. You may say, well, Rusty, that was their economy. I I realize that. But when money becomes more important than people and people being saved, that's that's our problem. Uh, Listen, money is a great servant, but a terrible Lord. The love of the money is the root of all evil. Is money a good servant? Is money good? Do we need money? To, yes. Yes. But when it becomes more important, now i got to ask yourself, you may be sitting there and say, well, money ain't my pig. What is your pig? Could it be tradition? Could it be your preference? 
Could it be fill in the blank, something else? We all got them. We all got to deal with them. Because this is what happened. If Jesus was to snatch them from us, to save somebody, are we wanting Jesus to leave our lives? What's your pig? It's whatever you don't want Jesus involved in your life with. And you're asking him to leave. I know what the Bible says about this, Jesus, but will you leave? Because I really like this more than what your word says. Number eight, we see a great graveyard salvation. This man was a living, walking, vivid demonstration of what Christ can do for a man. The proof of Christianity is in a converted man. There's a difference in this man. And so you got to ask yourself, is there a difference in me? We see, y'all look in this text, you'll see damnation, salvation. This man was damned to hell. He was damned to a life apart from Christ, but Jesus kept in and saved him. But look how his declaration changed. He once was declarating, he was, he was proclaiming, uh, he was just screaming out and giving out shrieks of just awfulness and declaring sin. But now he's declaring Jesus because of his domination. See, what dominates us is what we're going to declare. All right, that's what we're going to declare. Satan, sin, filth, once dominated him, now it's Jesus who dominates him. And that just bleeds into our application. Then it, we begin to apply that. And then that shows up in our suffocation. What do you mean by that? It's what we're killing. This man once was killing what was good, what was righteous. But now he's killing sin and he's following Jesus. And then that leads to what we decorate. All right? He, he was once naked and he was cutting himself. Now he's clothed and those cuts have become healed by Jesus Christ. So, if you want, you can either have it this way, eternal life or the eternal knife. The eternal knife is hell. There's going to be torment, misery. It's going to be like a riot. Y'all seen the riots last summer? The filth? That's what hell's going to be like, just rioting, people going crazy, screaming. And you're going to be like, how can I get out of it? You can't get out. Once you're there, you're there. But if we want eternal life with Jesus, it all determines what we do with the knife. What do you mean by the knife? Well, this knife, the Bible. Believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord. God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. So what you do with the knife while you're here will determine where you spend eternal life. But if you reject the knife, the sword, then you'll get the eternal knife, wrath's, God's wrath and his judgment, what we all deserve, because you rejected this knife while you were here. See, Rome, Phil, Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow, every tongue. That's where that came from, Philippians 2. So we either bow now while we're living and breathing, or we'll bow later, but it'll be too late, and we'll get his wrath, what we deserve. <clears throat> Number nine, we see the graveyard, sayonara, see you later. He left the graveyard. And y'all, we got to leave our sins behind. We got to leave the filth. We got to leave the tomb. We got to leave the dead life. See, he was, a, he, was, he was a breathing man, but he was a dead man. And he was living with dead people, literally dead people.
Is it back on? See, I'm quick with it. <laughs> quit, work. Quit, work. quit working on me. I'll go to another one. Shoot. <clears throat> All right. See you later. He has a new boss. He left to tell everyone what he had been saved from. And then the last one, this is my favorite one. We see the graveyard substitution. All right? This man who lived in the tombs met the man who came out of the tomb. Man, sounds weird, don't This is too important to have sound. Check one. Is that better? All right. This is way too important. This is, I could have said this point, saved y'all some time, uh, but I got to get my paycheck this week, and I figured uh, 40 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, I'll give y'all 40, all right? <clears throat> all right. Graveyard substitution. All right. He took this man's place. What do you mean, Rusty? He took his place. The man who lived in the tomb met the man who came out of the tomb. What are you talking about? Jesus Christ being risen from the grave. He came out of the tomb to take this man's place. All right? And that's why Jesus was able to save this man. Listen to this. He was able to save this man because he was able and willing to take this man's place. How did he take his place? All right? This man was chained. We see that in the scripture. We see that in the text. Jesus was chained to the cross. Well, he wasn't chained. He was nailed to the cross. All right? He was cut with rocks. How was Jesus cut with rocks? Well, let's go to the, when he was beaten with the cat of nine tails. On the cat of nine tails, there was glass, rock, and big old steel balls that they would have in that whip. And he was, his back was beaten and cut with the cat of nine tails. This man ran around naked. Did Jesus run around naked? No, but he was stripped of his clothes. He was mocked. This man cried out and screamed. This demonized man. Did Jesus cry out and scream? Yep, he cried out, it is finished. This man was separated from everyone. He was taken on a hill. Was Jesus separated from everyone? Yep. Jesus was separated from God the Father. When Jesus became sin, God the Father turned his back on his own son. This man lived among tombs. Jesus lived in the tomb for three days. This man lived in the mountain, up on the hill. Jesus went to a mountain called Mount Calvary to die a criminal's death and to take our place for our sins. So this man was able to save this man because he took his place. And that's the gospel message. Jesus takes our place. And that's what Jesus did with every single one of us. We're all hopeless and helpless without him. But he takes our place. He took our place. When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, he became that for us. And y'all, I don't know, y'all know of any greater love? I mean, I think I love my wife. I think I love my children. But I get upset with, with my children, of course, not with my wife. Man, 
But Jesus' love for to take our place when we were spitting in his face, when we were the ones nailing the nails in his hands. And that's the good news. And that's why that man was able to go and proclaim the great things. See, he knew the great things Jesus has done. And I hope you see your salvation that way. Sometimes I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I don't see it that way. And that's why I have to preach the gospel to myself. We, we, we steady have to preach the gospel and realize where we came from and where we're at right now. So here's how we're going to close the service. If you're here this morning and Jesus has never took your place, I want you to know he can take your place. How can he take my place? Well, first you have to admit. You have to realize and know and see it the way he says it. That's what confession is. Confession is I'm confessing to God what he already knows, and I am a sinner. I am, man, I'm just like this demonized man. I, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. And you admit that, and you believe that Jesus Christ, that's why he left his mansion, that's why he left his glory in heaven to come down here to the ghetto earth, sinful earth. He left it to come down here to save us from our sins. And you believe that, that he died on the cross for your sins. So you tell him, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe that he paid the payment for my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And then you confess that. You tell him, Jesus, from here on out, you're the boss of my life. You're my Lord. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. You're my Lord and you're my master. And I'm going to live by this knife so I can have eternal life with you. And because he took the knife. Look, y'all, he took the knife. He took it so we wouldn't have to. He took my place. And that's you, if that's you today, you just pray. You say, God, save me. Jesus, I believe. I want you to be my my Savior. And God will change you. God will, he will transform you just like he did this man. And if you're serious, he'll do it. I believe it with all my might. I believe it. So let's pray. And if you want to do that today, you pray that prayer right where you're at. Now here's the thing. If you pray that prayer, you got to be like this man and go tell people. So you just can't pray the prayer no, 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 no. You prayed that prayer and you let others know. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. If you prayed that prayer, when I say amen, I'm just going to ask you to stand up this morning. And here's why. You're going to say, Rusty, that's going to be hard for me to do. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, you're sitting there, you're chained. You're ready to come out of those shackles and chains. Standing up, this will be the easiest thing for you to do in the rest of your life to stand up in a group of believers. When you go out there, it's going to be hard. And the Bible says this, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to lead us in prayer. If God saves you this morning, you need to be saved, and God's going to save you, and he's saving you in this prayer, then you're going to stand up. We're going to celebrate. We're going to go wild and go buck. And then uh, we'll celebrate tonight at family night, okay? Let's pray. God, we love you. And Lord Jesus, 
I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm just like this demonized man. And Lord, I've been living in the tomb. Sin. And Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would save me from my tomb. You would save me from this misery I'm living in. God, save me. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless, 